Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. This is, what episode is it, Adam? And his episode 157. Kira. Yeah, okay, yeah. 157. <laughs> Today we're talking about some things, some stuff, and uh, some other shit. And also not a lot of stuff. Most, yes, we're talking about, uh, you know, this is why you're not getting any better Jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go over some, some common reasons for lack of progression in jiu-jitsu. First of all, I've, I've got the first cab off the Training rank. with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you're a bitch. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was the terrible. Yeah, no, but there is uh, – there's definitely – hey, that's on the list, being yeah, a bitch. You're a um, bitch. But as always, bit of banter, bit of intro. So I specifically left this off our pre-hitting hitting record button conversation. Mm. So Kieran and I were just talking a little bit about um, uh, social media and, you know, being exposed to comments and people, keyboard warriors, people saying mean things, people trolling you, yeah, all this sort of stuff. And then... So that um, led me to something I was about to mention, but I wanted to ask a question. If you could, let's imagine you owned your own country. Let's say you were a ruthless dictator. No, you don't have to be ruthless, but let's just say you were like a president or a dictator of a country and whatever. Obviously ignore the logistics side of this playing out, but imagine you could make a rule or a law or something What's do you have something that if you're like, man, if I was president of this country, this shit wouldn't be allowed? Yeah, I do actually. And it's uh it's something, you know, that I've been thinking about a lot. Um, I would make it illegally mandated that you have to change your bed sheets at least. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my my law. Oh my god. I almost so sent you I did I didn't did send we you this. Get- did we? So, people, this is a joke for, uh, referencing a conversation from our last episode. But um, I'm being curious did, did, has anyone sent you any comments or anything about their no. lack of changing bed sheets? No. No one has. And if you do, you're just a grub. But I did see a video on my <laughs> wife's TikTok and she sent it to me. And I was going to, I was like, I'll send that to me because I wanted to send it to, to you, Adam. But I, I just, I don't, I don't think I did. But it was like this uh, doctor, and he was talking about research that has been done on this exact topic. And he was saying that the uh, average single man, they've done surveys, doesn't change their bed sheets. They, they change them once every four months. Four months, Sounds and the average, right. I think the average single woman was once every two weeks. So at least, obviously, women are, are less grubby, but. In the video, they say that medical medical professionals recommend that you change your bed sheets at least a minimum of once per week. Optimally, it's twice per week. Yeah, <laughs> and they they go into like specific reasons why it affects your immune system, your health. Like it actually makes you like unhealthy. It's not just like a little bit of a grubby thing, like leaving you know leaving the the dishes in the sink overnight or whatever. You know, people do that. Um, that's like you know, yeah, it's it's not super cleanly, but whatever. It's not like that. It actually makes you sick. It makes you more prone to illness. Um, you know, so this is this is my uh, another rant. <laughs> this is a Beyond Sheets podcast. Kieran's, sheets. Kieran's country is just like, no, we don't have sheets here. You don't get them. Don't trust yeah. you people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't be trusted with it. I've taken away all the sheets. You fuckers don't change them anyway. Well, yeah. I've got two, I've got two things that I would put in place for my country. 
Mm. And one would be uh, trolls slash let's maybe just the broader term or more accurate term, I guess, for for what gets under my skin is keyboard warriors. Mm. You, there would be some – I don't care how the system's built, but there would be a system built that is essentially from a South Park episode or something. If you're a trolling keyboard warrior – the person you're trolling, like they get given your address and free to go punch you in the face, kick you in the balls or something. You know, there's consequences Fuck. and it's, and the, I don't care. It's going to cost billions of dollars, but it would be like policed and everything. That's 15 year old version of me would have had his balls smashed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or Fuck. something or like, you know, you just get, you get like, I don't know. The, the punishment for for trolling comments or being an online troll or a keyboard warrior is like you get a one week ban from the internet or something. There would be something, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. And my second rule would be every single escalator in the country would have a security dude standing at the top and at the bottom. And if you get to the bottom and you've been standing on the wrong side of the escalator, you get kicked in the nuts. Oh, okay. Well, which side people would that who, be in your country? No. Drive well, on the left or the right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It depends, right? If you drive on the left, you stand on the left, mm. right? It's in America, Brazil, somewhere you drive on the right, you stand on the right. But mm. People need to stand on the correct side of the escalator. It's infuriating. I hate it. What if, what if you're like with your partner and you stand side by side? Even worse, that's two people. <laughs> <laughs> so you both get kicked in the nuts. Yeah, that's right. That's two people being inconsiderate to like all the people behind them. And what if you don't have nuts? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Look, the semantics will be true. assigned to you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that, yeah. That's, that's my country. With our countries combined, there's clean sheets, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's proper escalator ad- etiquette and everyone yeah. behaves appropriately online. Mm. What a lovely no, place, bro. Yeah. Well, they've uh, they've come up with ideas, you know, for the, the next generation of the internet is, you know, um, to, to fix this troll problem, whatever, to make it so you cannot post anonymously. You have to post, you know, with your, at least your name and, and profile picture or whatever. And it's like registered to you. That's pretty pretty much a dictatorship version of the internet but people have spoken about that I don't, I don't really agree with it but you know just throwing it out there food for thought that that has been speculated because i find that most people that troll are from anonymous accounts um you know you will get people that troll openly but it's so funny have you seen on instagram maybe maybe you haven't but this is a thing on instagram right there'll be like a viral video on on instagram on reels or wherever it is and someone will have like a negative comment, super negative comment. And the highest voted negative comment, like um, highest like negative comment or whatever, if you go to their profile, particularly if it's controversial, if you go to their profile, people will p- take the first post of that person and just smash them. Like if they disagree with the comment, I, I found one the other day and there was literally hundreds and hundreds of comments on this random chick's uh, f- picture, just smashing her appearance, like just making fun of her because she made fun of some dude for what he was wearing in a video or some, something ridiculous. Like the the viciousness of the internet is just insane. Like, man, people are assholes. Is the point yeah, it can be very it can be pretty unpleasant sometimes. Um anyway, that's why we're here. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um 
let's let's go into it. Let's talk about some of the the reasons why, in my opinion, I see people struggling to progress or, you know, the plateau or the blue belt blues or whatever, mm. whatever you want to call it, right? Mm. And the first one I want to say is a bit of an opposite point of view of what you would expect me to say, but it's that people are training too much. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's, like I, could, I, 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 I was I, I, ahead of time. I was like, I'm going to double down on this and like see how long I can go before Kieran realizes I'm right. full of shit. But yeah. no, fuck, man. People like very simply the first one, super simple. You're not training enough, man. Like, uh, and going back to, I guess this kind of segues to what we were just talking about and my dictatorship in my future country, but. Mm. On an earlier episode of ours, like you know, a hundred episodes ago or more, the we're talking about training frequency or something like that, and we said something along the lines of if you just train twice a week, you know, like don't expect great things, something like that. Yeah. And man, we had like a couple people, one person in particular who was super essentially saying that like, yeah, man, you can own, you can train only twice a week and go on to become a world champion and one of the greatest of all time, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, no, no, no. Like in no, in no profession, sports or otherwise, are people reaching the, the one percenters with turning up twice a week, you know, like show me show me a lawyer who's making partner without doing like 80 hour work weeks like i'm not saying that that like work crunch is healthy and whatever to whole mm. different conversation but like the point is he ain't doing a 16 hour week mm. and you know and making partner or you know that 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 harvard med student isn't going on to become one of the top brain surgeons in the country with only ever practicing medicine 2 days a week and it's the exact same in jiu-jitsu and sports. Now, um, obviously that's quite a extreme example that I'm giving because I kept saying like the one percenters, you know, the Gordon Ryans, the Merigalis, right? But even, even that aside, even just to go on and get good at it, you know, to get proficient at it, to, to continue to progress at something that becomes – more difficult to progress at as you go along you know if you if you're just putting in those those two days a week that's fine if that's all you want out of jujitsu that's okay but that's not the 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 conversation we're having the conversation yeah. we're having is if you're feeling like you're let's say you're a blue belt purple belt and you feel like you're not getting any better one this might not be your case specifically but a very common reason i see is well you're not training enough and it does get harder the higher belts you go like getting twice a week people you can easily a lot of people train twice a week and that gets them to blue belt a lot of people the 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 research, well, the research shows, it's not like there's a whole bunch of papers out there, but from my experience of me teaching and from, mm. you know, managing other gyms and 
working alongside, you know, one of the most successful jiu-jitsu guys in, in Fabio Gurgel, the average person trains two to three times a week, right? So, you know, I mean, if you were doing a formula, 2.5 times a week, the average person trains. So if you train twice a week, like don't expect to be anything more than average, you know, and, and twice a week easily, you know, easily can get you a blue belt, but then past that man, like, why do you think people sit on a blue belt for five, six years or something? If you, if you're training twice a week, I don't see many people who train, let's, instead of saying days a week, let's say jujitsu sessions, right? Like I don't see many people who fit in like seven to 10 jujitsu sessions a week sit at blue belt for five years five six years you know like they're they're putting the work in yep and yeah so man like another example i always give to explain this to a lot of my own students as well is for me i feel like it only gets more difficult right like some kind of like yeah that the the amount of effort that you put in to get from white to blue, people then think that that was that the progression is going to be this linear incline on a graph or whatever. So they, so they, they continue to put in that effort, but it's like, no man, like the effort required from blue to purple is like double what you were just doing. Mm -hmm. And then they get their purple. It's like the, the effort required from purple to Brown. Okay. It's not then double again, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's more effort than you were just doing. And I, always say something along the lines of it's you know your jujitsu is kind of like okay maybe you don't have to think about it like university for me it was i treated it like my university or my college or whatever because it's what i chose to do as a career but maybe don't think about it like that if you're just a, a hobbyist but it's still think about it like you're I don't know, you're enrolled in some type of course some type of learning you know maybe you're just doing a two-year you know, degree or some two-year course in a skill you want to require. Like, in what world have, is, have you ever met anyone who said to you, like, "Oh man, well, my my first year of med school was way harder than when I was doing my masters." It's like no, bro. Like, it only gets harder. Like the the higher up you get, the harder it gets. The more work it requires. You know, like. Oh man, I oh, fuck. I remember when I did that small local white belt comp. It was way harder than black belt worlds. What oh, man? Oh god, man. ADC trials was so easy compared to when I was competing as a white belt. Like like it only gets fucking harder, bro. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I've got I've got a lot to say about this. Um, well. If you give everyone the benefit of the doubt and say that the two sessions per week are an hour and a half, in one year, you'll do 156 hours of jiu-jitsu. Which is not much. No, it's fuck all, man. In one year, right? So if you expect to go from, if you expect, right, that you say you get your blue belt after a, a year, which is maybe not the average, so maybe the average is like a year and a half at white belt to get blue. I don't know. Maybe you could tell me that better than I. But if you then keep that same effort, right, to go from blue to purple, in two years, if you only train twice per week, again, assuming that you're doing an hour and a half session, which a lot of gyms are only an hour, 
That's 312 hours of training jiu-jitsu. That is fuck all, man. That is fuck all in terms of actually being competent at the sport. Yeah, you can get a karate black belt in that time in three years. <laughs> you know, your your twelve year old kid probably has a fucking karate black belt in you know two years if you pay for the special accelerator program or whatever. Jiu Jitsu yeah, is not like yeah. that. And one thing, whenever we talk about this, right? When, whenever we talk about this, we get interesting takes on it, and we get people that get angry and really personally offended by what we're saying because I think that. It's one, the truth, and two, they don't want to. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to know it because they're not willing to put in the hours that it's required to to train more. They're not willing to do the work, and if their body can't handle it, then you need to be doing stuff off the mats, and they're not willing to do that either. And the a lot of the time, the comments are something along the lines of although the you know the arguments against it is like, oh, why would I why would I treat a hobby like a job? Why would I invest you know six hours a week? in my hobby that's dumb like it's a fucking hobby i do this to to have fun and stay fit yeah cool man that's awesome but you won't be a you, you know you're never gonna fucking be as good as you want to be you can't have your cake and eat it too you can't on the one hand say i want to get really good at jujitsu i want to get really good at this this hobby that i love i want to get a purple belt i want to be fucking awesome i want to smash everyone in my gym and you know be confident you know feel like i've earned my belt and hold my own at the same time you can't you know want all those things but then on the other hand be like oh it's, it's a hobby why would i go more than twice a week anyway like you know i'm not willing to study for it i'm not willing to put in the work and it's it's very dismissive is what I'm saying about it being a hobby. And whenever people hear how often I train, they're like, oh, bro, you do all that for a hobby? I get these comments all the fucking time on, uh, on, on all my shit. It's like, why? Like this dude is is obsessed with a hobby. Like what a loser, you know what I mean? But who the fuck do you think is coaching you in jiu-jitsu? Do you think your, your coach trained twice a week to get as good to teach you? Like this just, this brings me to my next point in this rant is there's not much respect for jiu-jitsu coaches because people tr- like in their in their life jiu-jitsu is their hobby but for your coach they treated it like a career like if they if they're good and reputable they treat it like a career they put the fucking hours in they did their study you know they sacrificed um, a period of their life where they moved to a, a gym where they could learn how to, you, you know, what it, like your situation, for example, you lived in fucking Brazil for five years. You treat it like a university degree. You you sought out the best gym. And and you're, you know, in, in on the one hand, you're like the exception to the rule because not many people do that. But on the other hand, a lot of the best coaches in the world do that and 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 go through those hardships. Jeremy Skinner, uh, a good friend of mine um, who, who won ADCC trials, uh, Oceana, uh, last ADCC trials. He spent years and years and years absolutely grinding, you know, trying to scrimp and save every cent and just training jujitsu religiously to be what he is today, like an amazing coach and a high level black belt competitor. I'm not saying everyone wants that, but if you want to be good at the sport, you need to put in the work. And I'm just sick of people dismissing, um, you know, the, the grind that it takes, particularly the lower belts that are putting in the work on the mats to make jujitsu their career, dismissing them and and like making fun of them as, as though they're just a, a, you know, a loser because they're putting all their time into a hobby. That's, that's my rant. Yeah. And I mean, it's, yeah, that's exactly it. Like, like you said, if, if someone just wants it as a, as a hobby to do it a couple of times a week, that that's fine. But you know, you can't have that mentality, but then also be questioning why you're not getting better and why you're not getting your belts. Like if you're, if you're okay with that, like, and you meet people, man, who have been 
purple belts for like 10 years and mm-hmm. you know they kind of maybe like come to accept the fact that maybe they'll never get their next belt or you know if they do it'll be a throwaway belt and they they just do it for fun and the social activity and the mental health aspects whatever it mm-hmm. is and that's uh, fine and yeah and that's, that's fine awesome. but we're we're talking about you know if you're wondering why you're not getting any better why you're not progressing and mm. yeah it, it does take take the work and you could honestly it's the same in any other sports the only thing that makes it slightly different in jiu-jitsu is that there yeah there are these so-called visible ranks you know in yeah. with the belts or even if you ignore the belts there's ranks in terms of like how well you do in competitions if you will but you know people people still want to get better like Imagine saying the same thing to someone who surfs. Like so many people who surf as a hobby, right, they still want to catch a bigger wave. They still want to, you know, maybe not necessarily big wave to the level of it's not always about the size, you know, but they want to catch the best way. <laughs> they want to catch the best waves. They want to, you know, be able to stay in the barrel for longer or whatever. And a lot of people who surf a lot, they do it every day. Like they go five, like every day, man, they're in the water. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, fucking you do that just for a hobby. You know, like, uh, you know, they prioritize well, it. They love it. They want to be there's better. There's a lot of people who, you know, go to rock indoor rock climbing gyms daily. They're not looking to become a professional rock climber. It's just a hobby they enjoy. And they realize that if they want to get better, they got to train more and go more. Here's a here's a good one for you. Chess. If you want to get better at chess, you need to play chess every fucking day. You need to study chess. You need to study openings. You need to study tactics and and end games. And and you know it, you can't expect to climb the the elo scale. Uh, you know even if it's just online. Or, you know um, without playing chess and practicing and and you know putting in the work. And anyone that has played competitive chess or, or is trying to climb the elo in chess knows that if you do it twice a week, imagine if you played chess twice per week and then was like, oh, why am I getting better? Because you're only fucking playing twice per week, per week bro. Like that's why yeah, you're getting yeah, better. Yeah. yeah, like the the obviously twice a week compared to zero is great, but the ceiling yeah, is course. very low. Like exactly, you, like exactly. you hit the you hit the ceiling relatively early in terms of like how how long of. Uh, 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 a journey jujitsu can be, but and it goes back. Sorry, go on. go on. I was just going to say, it goes back to that whole, you know, you said you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like one of the main things people love about jujitsu is that it's, you know, quote unquote, the non bullshit martial art, you know, like mm-hmm. the, it's all, it's all, it can all be proven and whatever, like it can all be proven on the mat. So, and like, you mm-hmm. can't, you can't just want, this like progression and belts and whatever, but then not also do what's required to get it. And yeah, you don't, you don't have to want to pursue it as a career, but it's no different to if you lift weights twice a week, you'll get some gains and, you know, but the ceiling would be very low. Right. And then if, if you, if you're just wanting to lift cause you enjoy it and it's exercise and whatever, cool. But like, imagine, imagine someone lifting twice a week and expecting like, what, what like, why aren't I putting on muscle? Like, you know, fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger, like you'd be so like, well, steroids, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. But, but even if yeah, you yeah, were, right, you know, like, yes. it'd be like, fuck, you know? Yeah. I'm just agree. A hundred percent agree. And um, yeah, I was just going to say uh, on top of your point that there's a big difference between getting your belt and progressing in skill. 
and that that makes it should be the same but there are gyms out there and that will award belts eventually based on time so maybe you're someone out there that you know you eventually will get your purple belt if you're sitting at blue uh if you keep showing up twice a week for like three years or whatever and then the coach is like well fucking you know old mate johnny over here has been showing up twice a week you know uh blah, blah, blah. They've been a part of the club. They're a big part of the community. You know, they're a good guy. Let's just chuck them a purple belt. You know what I mean? But there's always going to be levels to the game. If you have that guy that rocks up and is a competitive purple belt to your gym um, or even a competitive blue belt and they train six times a week or whatever, they're going to smash you most likely, depending obviously on factors. But don't be surprised if you get towed up by a blue belt, if you're not a very good purple belt. There's levels within levels. And I've, um, I've, I've met people who met with and trained with people who definitely would have reached their ceiling in terms of skill at blue belt and, you know, have essentially like never, never gotten any better than that yet, you know, today you're wearing a black belt. Wow. You know, so like, yeah, but I mean, there's also another, it's a whole nother conversation I've spoken before about like, for me, I think there's three different categories as to how you grade students. You know, your, your student falls into one of the three or two of the three of, of, of the categories and you kind of have to grade slightly different depending on which category they fall into, but that's a whole different conversation. So, but yeah. We have to, you have to share the categories now. Oh, shit. All right. Well, um, so for me, I think there's I, – I, I try to look at, yeah, which category the student falls into, whether they are A, a hobbyist, and they're just purely doing it as, as a hobby. And also I should say I guess a subcategory is, is age, right, because like I've had students who start jujitsu and they're in their 50s, and if they were always compared to the – 18 year old like i mean you know man like you can't compare those two but does that 50 year old not deserve to you know like receive progression and belts and whatever but anyway so whether they're a hobbyist so people either fall into that category or they fall into one of these other two or both of them which is they're pursuing it from a competitive sport point of view or third they want to they want to teach and and be an instructor so sometimes people will be want to compete and be an instructor or they're just one of the two you know but so for example if someone wants to to really simplify it i go well if someone wants to be an instructor and they want to teach there's it's like okay do they really understand the techniques like where's their where's their knowledge at right essentially to simplify mm. it if they're someone pursuing it from a competitive point of view well then obviously your competition results matter and then if they're just a hobbyist well like it's a whole different category like you can't hold them to the same standard obviously it gets a bit trickier when you get to higher belts cuz like you know something special about a black belt or whatever i think but yeah, it's just unrealistic and I think it alienates a huge percentage of people who Definitely. enjoy this sport of jiu-jitsu if 
there was only one, like, one bar that was set. And I've told this story before, but there used to be only one bar set. Back in the early days in, in, in Rio, when my coach's coach, Jacare, was training with, you know, all Hulls Gracie and, you know, all the Gracie family and everything, there was, they only had one grading a year, right? And it was the, essentially what would have been the equivalent of the world championships at the time, the biggest competition of the year in Rio. There was only one grading a year and that only went to the person who won the competition. So only, well, I mean, one of each belt, I guess you could say, went out. So there was only one blue belt a year. You had to win the comp, you know, and then there was only one purple belt a year. You had to win the comp, you know, and then that went on for a while. And then they realized the lack of progression and people who could have gone on to become amazing stars, you know, they, they quit jujitsu because, you know, the lack of reward or whatever. And then from there it went, you had to make the podium. If you made the podium, you got you got your next belt. And then obviously it's now not the case like that anymore. But you can imagine how alienating the sport would be. Obviously then the people who did it would be pretty elite. But we all know that jiu-jitsu offers a lot of benefits on top of just the, the competition side of it. So, so they're the three categories, right. That, that I take into consideration. I also take each individual's personal situation into account, you know, um, that doesn't mean I, I mean, I guess maybe I could say I cut some people some slack, but not in a way that, you know, I'm passing people that should fail, but I'm just, you know, I treat every individual as an individual, you know, and for some people it's different, you know, like, you know, I might, whatever, maybe I know something particular, some personal information about this student that makes me see their jujitsu journey differently to other people or, and, you know, those factors come into my decision. And again, one of the things that, people love about jiu-jitsu, maybe one of the things that people hate about jiu-jitsu as well, but, you know, oh, how do you get your belt in jiu-jitsu? Well, it's up to your instructor. If you don't like him or you don't like his his metric or decision-making process, there's plenty of gyms you could go to where it's much easier or much harder. <laughs> Take know? it from me, guys. Change a gym, you get your belt <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I personally sought out a particularly difficult gym to get belts mm. at and but yeah that's um uh, that's 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 the categories mm. but i want to move on already it's 30 minutes and we've only spoken about one of the things reasons why people suck at jiu-jitsu that's so, probably the most important though <laughs> yeah yeah well it's why i put it as number one oh, yeah. so the next one all right which is quite quite simple but this is maybe just cutting me telling you to cut yourself some slack. I just want to say sometimes you just got to trust the process. And well, oh, it's funny what? we've just we've just broken everyone down, and now we're building them back up. Building, building <laughs> back up. We so love you. this uh, is more maybe targeted to newer students who have maybe not yet had someone. Uh, say this to you, which once said, you'd be like, oh my God, that's incredibly obvious. But a lot of people don't realize it. And I know I didn't when I was a white belt or 
even Blue Belt, I can't remember the first time someone said this to me, but typically unless you're at a competition every week, the measurement for your progression is against your training partners. And usually a lot of people train at the same gym at the same time. So they have, you know, even at the biggest gyms, they, you know, have people that the same sort of people they roll with all the time. And Mm. so you're, you can't quite see because you're inside, you're in it and you're comparing yourself to your training partner as to whether you're getting better or not. And you're not making any gains against those two or three guys or whatever, but, they're training just as much as you. Not everyone is, but, you know, for argument's sake. So you're comparing yourself against someone who's also training as much as you're training and they're also getting better. So you don't feel like you're getting better because you're not making any progress against this individual who is also not making progress against you. But, like, you are both you are both leveling up. Mm, yeah. And I know, yeah, <laughs> just ripped on people. But, yeah, now I'm saying... I don't want you to go easy on your on yourself because it's actually quite opposite to the way I think. I I'm I'm a big fan of being your own worst critic. I had this conversation with someone a couple of weeks ago. You know how people will say, "Oh man, you're your your own worst critic," as in to tell you to like you know stop being so hard on yourself. Yeah, I actually don't believe that. I think you should be hard on yourself. You should be your own worst critic. Um. But we did a whole episode on this. Oh, did we? Yeah, right. Okay, we'll go back listen to that. Right. Oh, just uh, trying to find what uh, what episode number it was, but yeah. But yeah, so you have to sometimes, you know, sometimes it's not as doom and gloom as people think. They're having this plateau, and you have your ups and downs. But as l- you know, over the long run, it's going to be a net gain. And if you only comparing yourself to your training partners who you train with all the time, who train just as much as you do. Yeah. You're all getting better together. Yeah. But it can, it can definitely feel like you're not progressing. Tell you what's funny. We have episode uh, 22, your jujitsu sucks and it's because you're too easy on yourself. And uh, it says, there we go. uh, Adam goes into details to why you should embrace uh, self critique. Uh, self-criticism and use it to your advantage to drive self-progress and improvement and the the thumbnail says why you're why you suck at bjj (laughs) (laughs) nice we're we're becoming predictable bro we've we've come full circle (laughs) and that uh (laughs) yeah episode number 22 published in like 2021 or something yeah but uh yeah so i definitely would have said something you know i probably would have mentioned this I think it was Cron Gracie who said in an interview once just this drive from never being satisfied. You know, if he if he tapped someone in a role like uh, it wasn't good enough, he was like, "No, nah, I want to I want to tap him twice in the role." He's like, yeah. "Taps him twice in the role, nah, not good enough. I want to be able to tap him without using my left arm or something." You know, just con- like never n- never satisfied, yeah. and I be- I believe in that big time, and I think you should be allowed to. You know, like people, I'm going to use the the expression of the day with you, with your, you can't have your cake and eat it too. Why is it that people, it's all well and good to 
fly this flag or we tell people that, man, it doesn't matter what people think. It has to come from within as long as, you know, you need to learn to love yourself and you need to be, you need to be happy and blah, 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 blah. Why can we have this sort of internalized, it's all important about how we think about ourselves and how we feel about ourselves to be a happy, successful human being. So why, why, why does my internal opinion of myself be so important, but yet then I'm not allowed to have an internal, like critical opinion of myself. Like, yeah, uh, I look at, point. I look at that as kind of like, well, you can't, you can't have your cake and eat it too, bro. Like if, if, if it's so super important that like, man, you, you, you know, you need to be happy with who you are as a person and, you know, like, you know, body image stuff and all this sort of stuff. Right that I'm not disagreeing with, but I'm also saying like, well, doesn't my, my critical, my critiquing opinion matter too? You know? Yeah. So long as it's, so long as it's healthy, I think that some people hate themselves and there's no benefit oh, for to, sure. to loathing yeah, yeah, yourself yeah, yeah. and, and you know, nothing you do is good enough because then your life is going to be miserable. So I think that's where it comes from. Cause I think the majority, well, not, I won't say the majority, but I would wager that more people have a problem with self, loathing and like beating themselves up every day, day in, day out, rather than, um, you know, being when they're being self-critical and actually being constructive. That's the only thing I'd say. Uh, I think maybe uh, yeah, you in that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously that, you know, you could bring a guest on who's a mental health professional or whatever. It's yeah. a whole, di- it's a whole yeah, different yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. I'm not, yeah, I'm but not wanting to jujitsu. Be critical <laughs> of your fucking jujitsu, you know? And I like, I like what you're saying about, I remember in, I think it might've been in episode 22, you said something along the lines of in a perfect world, if you start jujitsu after someone else, so say you, you join a gym and you've got like, I don't know, someone that has already got a blue belt when you, when you first walk in as a white belt and eventually you start training, blah, blah, blah. And then you're trying to catch them and you're like, oh, why, why do I always get subbed by this blue belt? Why can't I never, you know, win a role against them? And you were saying that in a perfect world, you should never catch up. In a perfect world, you will never, ever, ever be as good as whoever started before you, like, you know, years ahead of you, that is. Um, because like you was, you just said then that you should be progressing at the same pace, right? And they've started before you, therefore, they'll outpace you. Um, but it is so satisfying when you catch up. If yeah, you've, you do. You've just, you've just actually said something that's made me a little bit sad that I've just like had this realization now of, you know, a, a big chunk of my jujitsu that, that I no longer have that I miss, which is, which is the chase. And I don't mean that as before people bag on me, I say all the time, pretty much multiple times, every single episode that I'm not that good at jujitsu. There's people way fucking better than me at jujitsu. So of course there are plenty of people for me to chase, but I'm at a different point in my life and career and, but I miss that as I was coming through the ranks, mm. man, I miss the, I miss the chasing people. And yeah, it was hard. Like there were people who I tried to chase who were on the mats as much as me. And I was twice a day, every day drilling in between classes and, and they were already one or two belts above me and I never caught them. Right. You know, I don't know now cause on a graph at like, you know, you catch them when to, they're older than you and yeah. <laughs> well, you yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but you know, it starts to, I don't want to say a black belt at things level out, but for a very, for an oversimplification, right. It starts to level out towards the top 
so to speak. Um, but yeah, like the people who, you know, you knew that like, you know, they, you, you train a couple of times a week more than them or something and you catch and catch and catch and, and then when you catch them and then like catch them, but I'd always, I'd feel a little bit bad for them, but I'd also be like, yeah, catch you. You know, like I don't feel bad for them at all. I have a laundry <laughs> list. I have a laundry list of people that I've that are now on that on that uh, like cross off. Yep, got them, got them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When we got them, I don't mean like win one role. I mean like, yep, definitely can smash now. Can smash. Yeah, can smash yeah, them. yeah, yeah. And uh, I've I've told this on the podcast before, and it's pretty fucked up. It's it's you know it probably shouldn't be sharing this publicly because it is a little bit twisted. But um, what I do a lot of the time is if someone used to smash me it's, it's normally the blue belt level when i was when i was coming i was a white belt obviously the blue belts would would put the smash on right and there's been a couple of times where i've been submitted consistently with the same submission by certain people now when i roll with them even to this day i always hunt that one submission that they used to smash me with always hunt <laughs> and only only go for that and uh, there's one one in particular one day i've told this story but apologies for people that remember it there's one particular session I'll never forget as a white belt. I got fucking smashed back to back by Dan and Jake, both of them in one day. And they both kept hitting the exact same submission on me. It was a bow and arrow choke from the back. And I didn't even know how to do a bow and arrow choke at the time. Um, you know, cause I was white belt, very, very aggressive with them, but they were just fucking hammered me. And I was so like, you know, down about it. I was like, fuck, you know, you know, when you hit the, you were talking about a couple of episodes ago when, you know, you saw that look in Chad's eyes and, I felt that he was like a little bit crushed, but you know, I yeah, had, yeah. I pretty much went through that experience, felt absolutely fucking crushed, felt like a piece of shit, felt like I was terrible. Um, but now getting a bow and arrow on either Dan or Jake is so satisfying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah. I guess they could be happy that, you know, they, you know, got that in got that idea into my head and and you know, help they helped me get better. Like at the end of the day, they helped me get a lot better. So thank you to to those two, but I still hunt for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it would be easy on Jake now because he doesn't train, but Dan's yeah. back defense is so so good. He's yeah. so hard to finish when you're on his yeah. back. It's yeah. which comes from him getting his back taken all the time. But yep. his back defense is very, very good. Um so yeah, sometimes guys it's the there's light at the end of the tunnel. You are getting better and, you know, you just got to trust the process a little bit. The next one, man, we don't have to spend long on this or we can because we've spoken about it so many times, but you can't have any sort of conversation about, hey, maybe you're not doing this and it's a reason you're not getting better at jiu-jitsu, which is deliberate training. Mm. This we've spoken about many times. So for... Not everyone listening will be a regular listener, but you can go back. There's plenty of episodes we've spoken about it. But just briefly, deliberate training is is making sure you're actually turning up with a purpose. And if we want to go back to like the first point of you're not training enough, you're only training twice a week. Well, for some people, that's that's all they okay. I don't want to say that's all they have time for because we've argued about that before as well. But some people only train twice a week and they're never going to change it, right? But like let's say I've got five things on this list, okay? If you're not doing any of those five, right, like, you know, it's not like you need to do all five of these. These are just some of the reasons. So maybe you're training twice a week. That's not never going to tra- change. But maybe you're also not training deliberately. And so 
you know, this could help you get better even with those turning up twice a week. Deliberate training, guys, means turning up with intention, having some idea what you're going to work on, what are you working on. It's this. It's the main reason for our new reoccurring um, episode we do every 10 episodes, like every 145, 155, 165 episode where Kieran and I go over what we've learned over the past 10 to 12 weeks working on our particular deliberate training uh, technique, position, whatever it is. Because if you don't focus on something, right, you're just at the whim of like doing whatever when you walk into the gym. And the same analogy I've given all the time, no one walks in to a weightlifting gym and fucking three bicep curls, that'll do. Now I'm going to go over and jog on the treadmill and like, hey, look, there's a fit ball. I might do, you know, some of those silly ab things on that. Like, you know, people at a minimum walk in knowing they're doing, oh, I'm doing legs today. Even if they don't know what exercise, what reps, what weight, at least they know they're doing legs and they go in with a purpose, right, mm. as, as a minimum, yeah. And so your jiu-jitsu should be the same. And my advice is to split it up into three-month blocks. So you work on something for three months because that might seem like a long time to some people, but honestly, like it's you not. don't even necessarily get that much exposure to it in three months because maybe you're, maybe the thing you're choosing to work on is, yeah, bow and arrow chokes, right, from, from the back or collar chokes from the back. And you might go weeks without taking someone's back in a roll or you might go weeks where you're turning up to class and it's all – specific training from half guard or close guard or stand up or whatever. And you don't even get the opportunity to get to someone's back. And so my advice is to split it up into three month blocks. I know that Gordon Ryan does it in six month blocks. Obviously he's fine tuning stuff to a, a level way beyond not just us, but really anyone else in the sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And after six months, he looks back at, you know, Gordon Ryan from six months ago, if he's happy with the improvement, he moves on to a a new six month block. If he's not, he changes his training and then continues another six month block of the same technique position, whatever it is that, that, however him and him and John structure it. So yeah, add some level of deliberate training because even that that's not going to box you in, you're still going to get plenty of opportunities to, do shit and work on shit that's not related to your deliberate training because your coach will teach something else or whatever. But definitely have a focal point. A bit harder in the beginning, if you're a one-month-old white belt listening to this, Mm. no, you're still in the very early, definitely be trusting the process at that stage. You know, you haven't got enough, you haven't got enough foundation yet to really be able to, to pick a focal point, I don't think. What helped me in the beginning, I didn't really have a focal point. I had a list and this was based on your advice where it's like you need to pick all the major positions, top and bottom, and know at least one move from them, preferably two. So that's how I did it. I made sure that in no matter what position I was in, I had two go-to things I can try for. Uh, And it really helped a lot. And yeah, that's, that's what I would recommend. Yeah, that's that's advice I give to all of my 
beginner students who have yeah. this come to me or I can tell they feel lost and confused and like they're just kind of like, man, I'm not grasping this. And it's for me, it's very similar to when you um, – if you're learning a second language and anyone listening who – speaks a second language but they learnt it later in life so you didn't grow up speaking both languages would probably agree that you go through this period of kind of like man like I've got all these little abstract sort of words and sentences and I kind of like they're connected but I'm like I'm missing so much like I just I need someone to like plug me into the matrix or whatever like you've it's all just foggy and almost can see it but you can't so people who are in that sort of phase yeah i say exactly what you just said you know, well there's five main positions close guard half guard side control mount back control top and a bottom 10 positions imagine you're playing a game of bingo right you got to get one for each exactly so then at least when you're in a role obviously that's very dumbed down uh, more experienced people would know but it's very dumbed down at least then when you're in a role and you find yourself mount bottom at least you know a mount escape you might yep. not be able to do it but at least you're not there going i have no idea what to do find yourself side control top right at least you might know one submission or one you know going from mount uh, side control to mount is a technique in itself you know one move whether you can do it okay but you're not just there lying on top of them side control squeezing going oh i don't want them to get away and i have no idea what to do yeah yeah and then and you then build you from that- there you get that frozen point where you like don't know what to do in certain positions. I think that you need to have at least two key ideas in each. And there's a lot of moves when you list it all out. It's heaps. So it'll keep you busy for a while. And then when you get to that point, once you've mastered them, then you can go on to the training that we're recommending to you, which is pick one area to focus on. I think you need to have a broad understanding of the very basics of the what the sport is before you can then pick something like one thing and focus on that for a three month period. So for those people out there that in that situation, you need to do that. I was going to talk about this as my like, you know, twist it and make it my something interesting, but I think it's better suited to be here. i got a backup. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, Is I actually ran my wife's cousin, Isaac through his first jujitsu class yesterday. So, it was no gi or training. The, the session was two hours. So I pretty much had a two hour private with him. What I did with him in the beginning is I took him through, you know, that, um, that beginner's class structure that you taught me in Sydney. Mm. I, I ran yep. him through that, but it's only, you know, it's like 20 minutes really. And he's very, very athletic. He played, he's played sport his entire life. So he's picking up movements very, very easily and very quickly. So I ran him through that, right? And then I was like, okay, what would I, what would I want to know if I was in his position? And I wanted to familiarize him with all the key positions, right? So that, that's what we did. I tried to give him, you know, a taste of one thing from all the key positions. And then I did something a little bit weird and I'd like your take on it. I actually had the idea that I wanted him to experience jujitsu rolling, right? Because as a young guy, he's, he's 18, a young guy, very athletic guy, um, you know, can move his body can look after himself. So that's who we're dealing with. I think that in order to get him interested in the sport, the one of the most important things would be to have him experience what the sport is. When I did my first trial class back in like 2016 um, at a Gracie Baja, 
in Sydney, they didn't let me roll. And I did two trial classes because I was really interested, but I wasn't quite sure. They didn't let me roll at all. You have to like sit and watch or whatever. They don't like let trial classes roll. Um, so you do shitty drills and whatever. And it didn't really, it didn't get me hooked, right? I was interested, but it wasn't enough. When I did your trial class, you were like, do you want to roll? Like, do you want to spar? And I was like, fuck yeah. And you threw me in. And I got like 10 minutes of, of rolling. And then for the last last round, I sat out and we, we had a chat about, you know, the, you know, stuff. Um, but it was the rolling that got me hooked. You know what I mean? So yeah. I was trying to, I was projecting myself onto him. So I took him through in like an hour. I was teaching him as we were going, but I did specific training with him. I did positional training. And then, we, and then I literally just rolled with him and then threw him in with the class. What do you think? Yeah, like, um, I mean, for me, yeah, I personally, my first ever jujitsu class, I rolled in it. And I think if I was to give, like, if, if someone had gone to my head and they're like, day one student, never done jujitsu, first class ever, do they roll or not? I would say, yeah, you no, say no. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's not because they're, s- s- at least not in my gym, it's not because they're going to get hurt from one of my students. It's that they tend to hurt themselves, Yeah, you know, like even, even against the most well-intentioned partner, even against me or something like they just twist and spaz in a way, or they, you know, they try to bridge or push you off and then they tweak their back because they're not used to that. But, you know, in, in my gym, I would say probably like, I'm 50-50 whether I let that trial student roll or not on the first day and I can kind of just tell by the way like how coordinated they are there or when you know I can kind of make yeah. the call whether yeah, they yeah, would totally. whether whether they would be competent or safe but even the ones who don't I always say to them I say to the men don't worry like you know I'll just have you sit and watch this role cuz I want you to have a better idea of what you know, you can watch these guys. This is what it looks like to actually train jujitsu. This is the best part that you're watching now, yeah. right? This is the actual doing, um, you know, and I take the opportunity to explain to them how it's, yeah, it's like sparring, but, you know, you 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 don't get knocked out, right? You get to tap and then go again and blah, blah, blah. And But I, I say to them, if jujitsu is something you do, I say, man, don't worry. Like you, you roll in every single class you have all the time in the world yeah yeah you have all the time in the world to get beat up and beat up other people in a friendly loving way you know so it doesn't have to be today right the most and i say the most important thing for me today is for you to leave here buy a gi no (laughs) (laughs) click the link in the email put your credit card in um i say the most the most important thing for me for you to leave here today is for you to have had fun gotten a better understanding of what jujitsu is and Mm. to be uninjured I said, yeah. I don't care if you wake up tomorrow and have muscle soreness, yeah. but the last thing I want is for you to wake up tomorrow. And even if you're not injured, but wake up and be like, oh, dude, my fucking neck. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I don't want that for your first ever. Yeah. Like it's just it's just not good. But, yes, everything you, you said is true as well. Like the rolling is the best part. Like some people, the hook that they need is to, you know, that that realisation of – how easily someone else just beat you up and you're that's like, what I oh, needed. my fucking God, like I need to learn that. 
Right. That's what that so. that is exactly what happened to me. I will never forget my first class. I'll never forget it. Like my first proper one, not the Gracie Baja shit. That was no offense to the Gracie Baja, but this particular one was dog shit. But after your class, when I actually got to roll properly, and guys, can, were can you looking remember? After, who, do you can you remember no, who you rolled? Who I was with? rolling? No, fuck no, God no. I remember my who I rolled with in my first week because I remember very key moments because it wasn't just then; it was multiple key epiphanies. Like, and there were certain people that I've even said to their face to this day, like when I was a white belt, the amount of grip strength that I perceived you to have, you scared me. Like I was like, holy <laughs> shit, this guy is incredible. And now the same people are complimenting mine. So it had nothing to do with strength in, in that case. Yeah, obviously, yes, they're very strong, but it was all the technique and, you know, and I was like, oh my God, I used to think you, you're, you were like a, an iron, you were made of iron and steel. Like I couldn't move you. I couldn't shake. I couldn't do anything to you. I thought you were superhuman. Um, and obviously they get chuffed about that, but that's how, that's how these day one guys, all these yeah, week you, one and guys you, perceive and you're like, And you're like, and now you're an embarrassment. <laughs> I didn't put it in those words, but that was the implication. <laughs> no, no, but it's obviously, you know, there's levels of blah, 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 blah. We've said that a million times, but I just, I, I always try to remind myself what it was like being super early in uh, my journey. And I see, you know, in, in Isaac, um, he's, he's similar, obviously a lot younger than me when I started, uh, which is to his advantage, but very similar, like athletic, outgoing, like really keen to rip in. And I just saw myself there and I was like, what would I have needed in that, yeah. in this, in this session? And I would have absolutely needed to roll. And if I was playing things by the book, like you've taught me is they don't roll, they sit out and watch, but for a two hour period, I had him, you know, we were doing shit for like you know, uh, an hour, over an hour, like on a full on private one-on-one off in the corner doing our own thing. So I had plenty of time to assess. And man, this kid picks up shit quick. It was super impressive. Like he was doing legitimate, like the beginnings of legitimate technique, particularly when we're doing uh, positional training of legitimate jujitsu technique, but he was just figuring it out on his own. I was putting him in situations and giving him little prompts. Like how would you get your, how would you get your back to a clear example? I I had a seatbelt on him. And I taught him how to escape back, like what he needs to think of. And I was like, okay, how would you get your head and shoulders to the mat in this position? Okay, my arm's in the way because I had the seatbelt. We're on the, the the bad side, if you will. And he was like, well, I would pass your arm over my head. And then he literally passed my arm over his head like a standard you know, escape. And I'm like, fucking brilliant. You figured it out. Well done. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> Kim grabs a pen and paper. Wait, do, do that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I draw diagrams. No, but legit, super impressive. But, um, you know. Uh, not yeah, to talk every, about how impressive the guy is, but whatever. Yeah, everyone's different, right? Like I said, yeah. you know, like if if I'm just if if it's a yes or no question, yeah, I'd say obviously it's a no. Yeah, because no, from it's a like safety first, but yeah, but um, but yeah, I would say yeah, like half the time, it's it's the the trial students in my gym will have a, a role, some type of a role yeah. in that first class, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah. it was super, super funny though, right? Last thing I'll say on it, right at the end, like, cause I threw him in with, he, he just decided to, to jump in and roll with someone when I was rolling. And then I, I got him for the last round. And I'm like, do you want a light roll and we'll, we'll learn again? Or do you want like a proper roll, like a harder roll? And he's like, yeah, let's have a hard roll. And I'm like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> so just got to put some smash on him. <laughs> yeah. Obviously I was going like 50%, but just, oh man, you forget that. Well, you don't forget, but like, day one guys and even like month one or year one so tense everything was maximum strength maximum effort like the amount of force that he was trying to generate and obviously with the technique i was like flowing belly belly even breaking a sweat or whatever it's crazy man the sport is crazy the, the 
the so the guys you mentioned who smash you know you have those memories of them smashing you dan and yeah. jake so they were two of my first students the week i opened the gym so there was a big period of time where it was just um you know the classes were just were just us three and uh yeah, so obviously I did a lot of essentially like these two-person privates with them and, you know, I would roll with them and they would roll with each other and so on. And I remember one stage, I don't know where they were at, like I don't even, did they have a stripe on their belt or not? I can't remember. But I remember one day they asked me, they were like, oh, how, like when you roll with us, like how hard are you trying? Like, like like if you had to put a percent on it like how how hard are you trying i was like oh it's like i don't know if you, i don't know if you want to know like do you, do you actually want to know and they're brand new right like and and they're like yeah and like how how many percent i was like i don't know maybe like two or three like, yeah. you know, and they were like what they couldn't believe yeah. it and i was like yeah, yeah. you know like it's, and then i have like of this old video, I don't know where if I if I have it anymore actually, but um, <laughs> this old video of where I'm like rolling with Jake, and I'm lying on my back and he's trying to pass my guard and I'm not using my hands and I'm just filming him with my phone and he was just getting so angry like because by this time I'd built up this I know this sounds like I'm a horrible instructor but I'd like become quite good friends with them by this stage, you know, um, to the point like I mean. I, I went to Jake's wedding, right? Like, so we became quite good friends and yeah, I'm like filming him, laughing at him and he's getting all angry and grumpy because he can't play. He's like, you're not even using your arms. It's like, bro, it's so funny. I have, a, I have a question on that. I, yeah. when there's a huge skill slash weight slash strength or all of three differential between me and my training partner, sometimes I do that. Is it based on you telling me that story? Is this a dick move to do that to someone and like just sit back with your hands to your chest and like try and let them pass your guard without using your hands? If is it a dick uh, move? I, don't know. I do it I don't all know. the time, bro. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it would fall under a dick move. It's but it it's um be. I don't know. It's just like giving yourself a handicap. Yeah, and but not, at the same time, you can interpret it as making fun of them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I don't know. Case by case basis. I think if but they're one, a white belt, it's okay. If they're a colored belt, maybe not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if they're a colored belt who outranks you and you're just like, doop, 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 doop. That'd be um, funny. Yeah, one of the, one of the things that, Hickson used to do, or at least I don't know if Hickson used to do this, but I got it from one of his black belts was that what he would do to kind of give himself some sort of a handicap was just roll with two tennis balls in his hands. So, and this was in the gi, right? This is well before the explosion of no gi as well. So then you know, he could still like frame and push and whatever, but he essentially like couldn't grab anything, you know. And then it was kind of like, and this was black belt rolling with whatever, white, blue belts, and he would say, you know, well, if I drop a ball, like that's like you submitted me, you know. He's like, and then, and then they'd just have normal rolls. And then that also then trickled down to I gave that advice or that uh 
little technique, if you will, of, of using a tennis ball to Samir, who was one of my blue belts who had a really bad like hand injury or finger injury or something, or maybe mm. his wrist, but there was just something that, and he comes from judo. So he's very used to gripping and you people who train know what it's like when you're in the role. Like, I mean, you grab shit, even if you're being mindful not to. And then he was able to come back to training and train normally. He would just always, yeah, for, for, yeah for quite a while, for a couple of months, he would roll holding a tennis ball and it was just a way to force him to, he couldn't make grips and, yeah. and worsen his injury. I think it also depends on who you are in the gym that you're training at. If I rocked up to my gym with fucking holding tennis balls, yeah. <laughs> people would not like that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But if Shit. I did it in, you know, if I did it in, in your gym, it might be different depending on who I'm rolling with. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, it'd be way different, and it, I don't know. It's just a different sort of thing. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's funny. That's I like that a lot. All right, next one. So this this would definitely be on your list, Kieran. But another reason that you are not getting any better is you're not competing. You're not right. doing competitions. I. Th- I think, and this is coming from someone who never particularly enjoyed competing. It wasn't something that came very natural to me. I mean, I did it all through the the belt ranks. Um, but it's just so valuable to your progression in jiu-jitsu. It just forces you to get better. Mistakes made in comps cut way deeper, so you work way harder to rectify them. Oh, yeah. You know? uh, it gives you even – I'll give you a very simple way to think about it. Like even if you go and lose in the first 30 seconds of your first match, if you – Providing you went into that competition with this whole like, you know, oh, I'm doing this competition in two months. I'm, you know, I'm not saying you're doing a camp like a UFC fighter, but, you know, you're like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to fit an extra session in a week and I'm going to like, you know, mm. I'm, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to drink on the weekends because I got this comp coming up and blah, 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 like whatever. Even if you lose the comp straight away, you still got all those gains. You know, the preparation you put in for the comp is still progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, providing most people who do a competition, even the most casual competitor, will put in a little extra work than their usual week-to-week, month-to-month training re- regime. They'll, the typical person will put in a bit extra in preparation yeah. for the comp. So even yeah. if you lose straight away, there's – I mean, and I'm – disregarding all the value in doing the comp, like go lose. And then, like I said, that loss is going to hurt way more than if you get tapped in the gym from a footlock or whatever. And you're going to leave the comp and go back to the gym probably way more like, no, I'm never getting tapped by that again, or I'm never getting, you know. So competing is an incredibly valuable way to progress at jujitsu. I could not agree more. I, yeah, I think I like the way you've worded the, that, you know, a loss in competition cuts so deep that it gives you like that for some people that hunger they need to fix whatever blaringly, like whatever mistake they made just and, and just to never let it happen again. And you learn, like you fucking learn, man. I, I, we've told the story recently 
But when I got stuck in that triangle for ages, I got put in the triangle in the first like 30 seconds in the in the match. And then for like a minute, I was in this fucking triangle. <laughs> I, I, I know that you remember, I became the, the anti-triangle guy for months, for like a year. Yeah. Really. I was like, yeah. you know, obsessed with triangles. Like I would never fucking get triangled again. And now it's it's one of my my best positions to avoid or to escape from is, is a triangle. I still get triangled from, but it's rare now. Uh, but it was happening all the time. But it, it took me to, you know, have that experience in the comp for it to really cut deep. And I've had other silly things where I've done some dumb shit at white belt and, and got beaten in silly ways. And it just, you know, it cuts so deep that you never let it happen again. The most recent comp I was at, I, I watched, I was waiting for um, Filippo to compete, my training partner of mine. And I, wa- I was watching another match across and this guy was getting smashed. He had his back taken. The guy was going for a choke but he crossed his, his feet in the guy's lap and he, he got footlocked. The classic, uh, you know, cross your feet, get footlocked and he lost. He had to tap a blue belt. Insane. And the guy that won was like, yeah, just like he won welds or whatever. It was laughing and shit. Like, can't believe that just happened. Um, yeah. But I'm telling you, the guy that lost the match because he crossed his feet in the lap and, and wasn't aware of his foot positioning, I'm telling you, he will not make that mistake again. Yeah, yeah. He'll never let that happen again. No. Guaranteed. But um but yeah, I just wanna double down on on, on that and, and repeat it again because a lot of people don't compete due to the you know, oh what if I lose or the embarrassment of losing or whatever. Like I said, as long as you're like the typical person and you put in a little bit of extra work in the lead up to the competition, like that's that progress is not lost. Even look, even if you go and don't make weight, right? That, that okay, if that happens, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, so competing's an an incredible, an incredible tool. You know, yeah, I, it's kind of like another another analogy I give to my students. It's like, okay, guys, like you don't need to be a competitor or pursue jujitsu as a career. But I'd like you to compete at least once at each belt, mm. say, because at the moment, without doing that competition, you guys are no different than people who keep turning up week in, week out to football practice. But then on game day, you're just, you're always on the bench. Like you never actually get to play a game of football. Mm. Like, isn't that, is like, that's the best part. Like, that's the sport, you know, like. Mm. So do do try do at least for people who really are against it, man. A minimum one comp each belt. I say like that should be mandatory. I have a question. Mm-hmm. What do you think of an instructor, brown or black belt level, who has never competed before, but they're a coach, never competed? Yeah, like I think that is you know you can't you can't bring John Denneher into the conversation because he's just isn't is the exception to the rule i think a coach who has never competed is is not is is not a good coach really like because this was a conversation i had with fabio because i wasn't that keen on competing i didn't really enjoy it as as much as others and 
you know, was always more interested in the instructing side. But he was like, well, he's like, what are you going to do when you have a student who wants to compete and has questions about competing and what it's like competing and needs advice on competing and, you know, uh, how are you going to help him? How are you going to coach him when you've never been on the mats being coached by someone knowing what's good advice to hear, bad advice to hear, you know, I, I think be kind of like there's probably there's probably chefs in the world who are allergic to seafood but can still probably prepare a pretty nice, you know, seafood dish. But I would say as a whole, the chefs who eat seafood probably make better seafood <laughs> dishes. Like, I mean, there's obvious – you have you learn through experience, right? And I'm not I think coaches who have never competed, they're just then don't they're not as valuable to the students who who want to compete. Or they've also even even that aside, they've that that just says that that coach has missed out on a huge chunk of potential progression that they could have gone through to get to where they're at. Yeah. Agree. So yeah, I mean, like John Denner is famous for never competing, but um, but yeah, he's like a very one unique individual just because one dude gets away with it. And then it's the uh, Steve Steve Jobs uh, Elon Musk fucking argument again. It's like yeah, that's right. Out of college or whatever. It's like oh, you ain't fucking yeah. yeah. Like I'm, you know, and I'm sure there's other successful coaches who do very well who have never competed you know there's always going to be exceptions to the rule but i think as a whole that if you want to be a coach and you want to you want to be a jiu-jitsu instructor as your career you're doing a bit of a disservice to all your your future students so yeah compete um all right the last one is to essentially do your homework is to do some jujitsu study activity drilling whatever you want to call it outside of jujitsu outside of like class i should say and again this is another one that would have been mentioned in uh, in various conversations mm. but but yeah man like there's just so much to learn it's such a hard sport to get good at that if the only time you ever put time into it is when you're in at class, then, man, you're really going to struggle to progress. And I guess I could have, like, piggybacked this one off of the you're not training enough. You know, oh, why would I study for something that I'm just doing as a hobby or whatever? So we don't need to have that whole conversation again. But, yeah, this could be, yeah, let's imagine someone's listening to this podcast this episode and they've gone well no 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 i train five days a week so that's not me no i'm trusting the process i'm doing deliberate training and i compete you know like so another thing is well if you think like i'm doing everything possible but are you maybe not doing that extra bit of work are you are you taking notes right that might not be for you but for me i would always take notes not because I would ever really reread them, but just the act of pen to paper, that tangible note-taking process helped sort of file that into my brain, you know, what I was learning. Some people watch a lot of instructionals, which is another uh, 
conversation as to how to how to learn from instructionals. Is it good mm. to watch instructionals? Whatever. But I mean, point being, you're still exposing yourself to jujitsu outside of it. People drill techniques in their own time. You know, uh, people. Uh, you know, go to open mats at other gyms or whatever. But yeah, if you're only doing jujitsu when you're in jujitsu class, you're then never, you're kind of never giving yourself the chance to really focus on what you need to get better at. Yes, mm-hmm. deliberate training helps, right? But 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 we need we need more than that because if you and I were both whatever yeah third year med students okay you're going to be struggling with a part of the course that I'm not struggling with and I'm going to be struggling something that you're not like you know so obviously when it comes to study time I'm going to be studying the shit the thing that I suck at that I'm having difficulty memorizing or learning or whatever and you know you're going to be studying you know whatever whatever bit you need to work on so doing homework, doing self-study, I think is really, really important to, to improve. And it's something I still do to today, right? I, I, it's something you're forced to do as you get higher up as well because you're, you know, a lot of problem solving you have to start doing by yourself. When you're a white belt, blue belt, whatever – you can kind of just turn to someone for an answer or an explanation. But when you then start having to figure that out by yourself, sometimes figuring it out by yourself means like researching and looking at, you know, watching competition footage, whether it's of yourself or of someone else or watching an instructional that might give you something or a detail or whatever. So like self-study is something I mean, my biggest progression over the last 12 months has all come from, I don't want to say like from me as in, you know, like, man, I fucking solved all these problems. I mean, I I looked at all, like there's a lot of resources available for me to look, to learn from and pull information from. But the point I'm making is my progression over the last 12 months didn't come from me turning up to a class where I'm doing what an instructor is telling me to do, which is, yes, a way a lot of us get better but it's not my situation. I own a gym and I I teach all the time. I'm not taking someone else's classes anymore. So who do I learn from? Well, I have to study. Learn from me, Adam. Yeah, that's right. I learn from Kieran. You know, I I, teach you, you teach me. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I obviously go to the gym with deliberate training, which helps, but I also like study in my own time. Mm. Right. And, and, I think you'll find a lot of a lot of other black belts or instructors would be doing the same because otherwise how do oh, they yeah. keep learning? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I think the one of the best things that one of the best pieces of advice that you've given me is to take notes. And no one does it because it's it can be a pain in the ass. It's it annoying. It is a you pain forget. in the ass. It's Fuck it's a habit. <laughs> yeah. It's a habit that it takes a while and dedication to like, you know, formulate and heaps of people try it, get bored of it after a week when the novelty wears off and just stop doing it. But it has been one of the best things I've done. And I love looking through my notebooks back to old stuff because there's so much golden information. And I will say that not only does it help to consolidate your information, but when I was taking notes, sometimes if I wasn't paying like 
really, really close attention during the technique portion, I'd forget details and I wouldn't know what to write. I'd be like, fuck, I forget what we did or I forget how to, you know, put that into words or forget the detail there. So it forced me to pay even more attention. Like I was laser focused in on, um, you know, the, the actual technique. And yeah, so I think that that's super important. And it's, it's really interesting as a sort of attached to that. I haven't, I haven't been taking notes in Sweden because I left my jujitsu notebook in storage and I didn't want to start a new one. I've only, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. So I have, I have not been taking notes on, on my notebook after classes, but I have been taking notes on the instructionals that I've been working on. Cause of course I've always got at least one that I'm pursuing for the, the, the uh, you know, the three monthly area I'm working on, right? I try to find a resource or whatever. And I have it on Notion, um, which is like a note-taking app, uh, a, a, uh, all my, my jujitsu notes categorized and, and sorted out and everything. It's super, super valuable to have that as well. But it's different from handwriting. So I recommend handwriting and yeah, having was, that separate. I was about to ask, do you I, – I like really don't enjoy, for me personally, taking notes on a phone. Oh, after like, the class where you're sweaty, it's hard. It's, it's oh no, not small. not even that. Just anything. Yeah, I just yeah, don't like it. it. It's it's the pen and paper for me that is. Pen and I'm paper has notes. been shown in research to consolidate <laughs> memories and learning. Is the actual handwriting? It's something to do with the 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 uh, actual motor connection of physically writing it. It helps to consolidate the memory. But in terms of studying instructionals, I prefer taking notes on the computer on notion because what i do and this is a bit extreme but what i do is i either i i take gifs so i if i have the um if i'm able to download the instructional or the youtube video that i'm studying from i import that into editing software take the clip that i'm interested in make a gif out of it so it loops and then put that in my notion software so if it's something that i need to see it visuals really really help and i can't draw for shit so um <laughs> Uh, if, if it's like a screenshot or a, or a GIF, um, that helps so much, which is why I prefer studying instructional content where I have that accessible to me on, uh, on having the notes on a computer, notes in class and key things that I need to remember from what I did, always pen and paper. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so they're the, the five things that I found to be the most common kind of uh, – plateau solidifiers that, uh, you know, so just to, to rattle them off again, people aren't training enough, you know, uh, they're, they're sometimes being too hard on themselves, comparing themselves to other team members. They're not deliberately training, they're not competing, and they're not doing any outside study. Right? Yeah. So if, if you can, if anyone is feeling like they need Maybe you're feeling like you're progressing, but you're like, ah, I want a little bit more. If there's one of those five that you're not doing and you can add it, I guarantee you, you'll, you'll it, it, it'll be beneficial. If I had to pick the the one most valuable one, it's probably the first. You're probably not training enough, to be honest. Would be the <laughs> would be the first thing. Yeah, um, that's the ninety nine percentile, right? That's like yeah. most people, the vast majority of people. You, yeah. Uh, yeah, just, you know, even if you, if you say you're, you're someone out there training twice per week, even if you just increase it to three, if you can manage three, that will change everything for you. Trust me, yeah. over a long period of time. Just, just yeah. up it to one. If you're doing three, do four, bro. If you're doing four, yeah, do just, five. Just if you're doing one 10, more, bro, just one extra maybe, one, bro. If you're doing 12 sessions a week, maybe 
cut Take my Take a rest day. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me chill, bro. What are you, fucking Gordon Ryan? Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Go for it. Train as much as you want. But uh, if, if you can handle it. All right. What's just uh, something interesting? Bro? All right. Something interesting. So I actually hope that people, I hope but don't expect that anyone will, will send in the replies to this question. So I'm very doubtful people are still listening at this point. But if you are and willing to send in a reply, I, um, I'll tell my something interesting and then you'll probably figure out what the question is by the time we get to the end. So the biggest dude that I ever trained with, or like heaviest I should say, was this guy in Canada who was around about – 320, 330 pounds, which is about one, 145, 150 kilos. Fucking huge, massive. Was an American football player. <coughs> we were both white belts, but um, it's the biggest dude I've ever, ever trained with. And I just this week saw an interview with Shaq. Shaquille O'Neal, the basketball player that most people should be familiar with. And he was talking about his his weight in, throughout his career. And he said the biggest that he got to was 415 pounds, which is like almost 190 kilos. Whoa. Like, and I mean – like not fat, like the dude I rolled with that was big, that was 330, was overweight. Whoa. Like Shaq was, is however tall he is, I don't know, seven foot something or whatever. Obviously a bigger dude, but it's like, I mean, he was a profe- professional basketball player. It's not like he was 415 pounds and a NFL, like front rower, big, fat, muscly dude, like, you know, and – so then I just couldn't quite get my head around like how big that is because, again, we're not talking about an obese, overweight person. We're talking about a professional athlete, you know, that, yeah, obviously strong men in that get up to that weight, but they're, they're a lot of them overweight, very weird health symptoms that they go under so my question is like i'm wondering what is the the heaviest if people wanted to send in what the heaviest person they've ever rolled <laughs> with is i mean please submit Why? these anonymously <laughs> yeah, you, i mean you don't have you don't have to say who it is like i mean uh mine is i've rolled with multiple guys that are around that 130 kilo mark so that's it's about, so heavy it's yeah. like I would say around, I'm not fat shaming. I'm just, you know, not all of them were. Anyway, uh, about 290, 286.6 pounds to be precise. 286.6. Um, but I will say I've rolled with people that are around that weight that are also a belt above me and uh, smashing, bro. So, oh, well, there you ain't go. Everything. No. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's not a- everything. Um, but know. it's a lot of it's a lot of weight to move. It's very yeah. hard to deal with. I think a lot of them, when you're that big, uh, if they play top, a lot of them, uh, if if you are dealing with someone like that, who even if they are experienced and they're you know an upper belt, they pass on their knees. So if you can learn how to deal with someone when they're passing on their knees, you can learn how to deal with them. You know, and just don't obviously the it's oh just don't don't do this don't do that, but just don't get trapped under them. You fucked then. Yeah, you can't let someone that big settle on you. 
No, you're fine. No. So, but um, yeah, if, yeah, if anyone wants to send that in, let me know the the biggest person. Has anyone <laughs> rolled? Kind of, has anyone uh, rolled with Shaq? Is what I want to know. And uh, okay, and we have to talk about celebrity belts. As a shout out to Alex, who said on our last episode, had you guys talked about celebrity belts, I think you would have touched on every episode you've ever made. Uh, and that was on the previous uh, oh, avoid these jujitsu mistakes. And now we're doing this is why you're not getting better. A lot of these things we've rehashed in the past. So if we talk about celebrity belts for a minute, then well, we uh, talked yeah. about a celebrity. How about how about <laughs> that white belt that Shaq has? It's bullshit. There we go, there we go <laughs> yeah. Alex. Well, Alex, mate. There's your bingo card. Fucking hit bingo. Shout out to Alex. He's been like probably among among a, a couple others, one of our longest term listeners ever. So yeah. yeah. Good luck. Yep, legend. Um, All right. Okay, hit, me, my, hit, hit me with your something interesting. Okay. Well, I had I had three and I've already said one uh, and I had to combine them because they're kind of lame. So a couple of episodes ago, I spoke about Swedish pizza and how dog shit it is. Right? Did you? Now, I don't remember that. Uh, yeah, I did. And I said that uh, I, I tried kebab pizza, right? Or, you know. Um, I don't remember this conversation at all. And no, I love pizza. Okay. Well, I'm going to bring it up. I did. It was, it might've been. Uh, over a month ago, right? And I said that in Sweden, their pizza's fucking kind of shit. No offense. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, yeah, I definitely, I've definitely spoken about this previously. So Sweden, their pizza is a bit dog shit. Um, and their, their national pizza is like a kebab pizza. So what they do, they basically get a shitload of kebab meat and just dump it on top of a pizza. Some places put salad on it and like sauce and that's the pizza. Salad. Sounds, yeah, bro. Like a full-on salad on top of it's the not, kebab meat. Sounds terrible. It's fucking dog shit. It's so bad, dude. It's so gross. I'm sorry for yucking your yum, Sweden. Um, but the kebab pizza has got to go, my friends. Um, it's really, really bad, right? And then they have this other pizza. Get this. It's called the Hawaiian Special. It's Now, if you thought pineapple on pizza was controversial, it has pineapple and banana and curry. So it's a, it's a Hawaiian pizza with uh, banana and curry, right? Um, and then you can yeah. add chicken if you would like. Yeah, you know, you've kind of you've kind of like lost me in terms of being on board with your hatred for the pizza at, at just there because uh, we didn't speak about pizza. There's no way we, we had to speak about it. I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up. No, any, anyway, go, any, on. go Anyway, on. firstly, I'm all for pineapple on pizza. Right, me too. So that doesn't bother me. Yep. Uh, I'm going to skip the banana for now. The curry thing is like, I mean, okay, obviously it depends on the curry, but in this, uh, like, that doesn't bother me in the sense that I like. I'm all like, I'm not someone who's like, has to be this super traditional pizza and it's only like it's got to be Italian mozzarella. Or and, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, I'm happy to have a Moroccan lamb pizza. We have in Australia this pizza place called crust pizza it's that American. Australians would. Oh, he said, Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yes, oh, well, I didn't know. <laughs> everything you mentioned, whatever you mentioned, like Kmart, Target, <laughs> Subway or, or HelloFresh. You're like, Oh, we have this thing in Australia. It's always <laughs> American companies. It's so funny. We've got this thing in Australia. It's called in and out burger. No, yeah. <laughs> which we, we don't have here, by the I'm way. I'm pretty sure. I'm, but, I'm Googling um, this to make sure. I'm, but yeah, it's a Chicago style. Um, yeah. It's from States, man, I think. Chicago isn't Chicago known for deep dish because crust does not yeah, do deep dish pizza. Anyway, whatever they do, all like peri peri chicken pizza and all these, you know, 
Szechuan chili, garlic, prawn pizza, and all these other things. So, like, yeah. a chicken curry pizza or whatever would would be something that I would eat. It wouldn't bother me. But then, when you say the banana, mm. it's not like I'm all for it. But my parents, a while ago, they ordered pizza and they were like, just letting you know, it was like a chicken something pizza. I think it was like a barbecue chicken pizza with banana. They were like, just a heads up. This has got banana. And I was like, what the fuck are you smoking? And they said, yeah, that's what we said. But the lady was like, no, trust us. And then we're like, and then I had it. And it's not like I was like, holy shit, that's good. But I was also like, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, I didn't have an issue with it. I haven't eaten banana on pizza since. But yeah. I didn't, I didn't, like it. I was I ate it happily and it was fine and it tasted good, but I wasn't, I, you know, maybe I wouldn't order that pizza, I guess. Yeah. I also don't mind like hot cooked banana. It's really common in Brazil. I don't know if in other countries it is, but if you go to like the Brazilian steakhouse places, it's very common to get like a crumbed fried yeah. Banana. banana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I don't have an issue with hot cooked banana. So I've... But the kebab pizza not. can go. It's okay, terrible. I, so I, I talk shit on the last, on an episode, I was sorry I did, about kebab pizza. And then my mate Martin was like, well, if you've never tried it, you can't talk shit about it. You have to fucking try it. So I was like, okay, I'll try it. I hate that argument, by the way. Yeah, well, it's, that's a decent argument. So I'm like, okay. I bought one, didn't finish it. I threw out half of it. I'm like, I cannot eat this. It's disgusting. Okay, so kebab pizza is a no. I went to Martin's place for when, when we went to play Catan and uh, we ordered pizza. We ordered a whole bunch of different ones. And one of the ones was Hawaiian special with banana. The, the, it's basically Hawaiian with banana and curry. And then we added chicken. It was fucking amazing, bro. So oh, good. Right. It's so, so good. Okay. It's yeah, so good, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Like you've got to try it. It's so oh, I'm so then, glad that you that that was the end. Yes, of that. Yeah, yes, yeah, bro. Yeah. And then it was so good. In fact, that the following week, or like uh, actually last Thursday, uh, I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. Shout out to that. You should probably be <laughs> shout out to Joe. Shout out to Joe, my boy. <laughs> and the Elon, and there was an Elon Musk episode recently. And the, the start of it, they're talking about pizza. And I was at the gym when I was listening to it. I was doing a really hard workout. I'm like, fuck you assholes. I want some pizza. So I went and bought pizza. And what did I get? The Hawaiian special, bro. It is fucking awesome. It is yeah, great. Yeah. Everyone it sounds, should try it. Right. Yeah. So curry don't works, be- man. The curry on pizza works. It's so good. Well, yeah, the curry doesn't, oh, doesn't so bother good. me at all. But yeah, the one that, Definitely, some people would be like, "What the fuck is the banana?" Yeah, the banana but, and the but yeah, actually, together. it's reminded me person. of. Oh. It's actually you remind me of something else. So my mother-in-law would make in Brazil, um, like an omelet with banana in it, and it was Whoa. so good. It would essentially be, you know, when That's you weird. slice, you know, when you slice a banana like lengthways, and like yeah, so, she yeah, would yeah, make yeah. the omelet and put like long slices of banana in the omelet and so good man i loved it oh man just i was really thinking about obscure. it right now yeah, yeah but hey if you were if you were willing and on board with the curry banana chicken pizza yes that's good next time next time you have next time you have an om, next time you have an omelet bro chuck some banana slices in there i tell yeah. you it's pretty it's pretty good so here's good. here's what i want to throw out to the audience um what is a weird food combination that you if you tell people they're like, no, that's fucking gross. That's disgusting. But 
it's so good that you, you have to like convince them. You gotta be like, trust me, just trust me. And then when people try it, they love it. Like the, can, the banana pizza. Can I piggyback off that question and then ask if similar to that, if people could be a weird food thing that you're like, yeah, you got to try it, but it could also be one that is that you kind of deep down know is gross, but you do it anyway because it comes you from like your childhood. Anyway. <laughs> no, no, because like, so for example, oh, okay. I'll, so I'll give you one for me that, I mean, I, I don't particularly think is necessarily that gross, but I don't, I haven't seen other people eat it. Which is so when I when I was a kid, you know, like a grilled like a, a grilled cheese sandwich, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, when when I was when I was a kid, I didn't like tomato, and you know, so often you'll have like you know uh, ham and cheese, ham, ham cheese tomato grilled oh, grilled so sandwich or whatever. So good. Uh, I didn't like tomato, so I would just make mine with instead of tomato, I'd put tomato sauce or ketchup. So I would get the bread. And, you know, like almost as if I was making a calzone pizza, really. So it's not like that crazy. You can imagine if like you ketchup, took – right? Tomato sauce yeah, and yeah, ketchup. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you can imagine it's not a huge leap. Like if you removed oh, – It's so different, bro. But, so yeah, different. I, know, I know it's different. But if you That's removed disgusting. the tomato sauce and put pizza sauce, you would eat that, wouldn't you? Yes, because I I have a weird food aversion to tomato sauce. I hate it so much that when I smell it, it makes me gag. Oh well, then that's different. That's why it's completely it's different. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not saying it's yeah. the same thing. Like, I mean, no. if I ordered a pizza and they use tomato sauce instead of pizza sauce, <laughs> I could want tell. A refund, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want a refund, bro. But I love but that, barbecue sauce yeah. on on pizza. Ooh, yeah, barbecue sauce base. I, but that's I, something I can still eat now, like as an adult shop, because it just comes from my childhood. It doesn't really bother me. That's kind of fucking gross. I can't think of many <laughs> that I have that are like really weird food combinations. But I know some people out there have some fucking weird ass food combinations. I'll tell you another. I'll tell you another one that one of my friend eats, and I tried this sandwich, and I just was like, I, I got like two bites in. I was like, Nah, bro. It's he gets a sandwich. And one side of the sandwich is Vegemite, which is not crazy for Australians, but a lot of people already are like, yeah, you lost me. Yeah, but yeah, yeah veg- Vegemite's gross for a lot of people. But yeah, one side of the bread, Vegemite. The other side of the bread, peanut butter. And then in between those two things goes um, like <laughs> like sliced up pickles or gherkin or whatever. <laughs> A Vegemite peanut butter gherkin pickle sandwich. I hate, I hate pickles, bro. It's another. Like, <laughs> Dude, you hate bro. a lot of food, bro. No, I don't. Like, you just hit, you've just hit the ones that I've like. You, you've just hit like fucking, I don't know. You've just so happened to pick the ones I don't like. I don't like pickled food, which is why Swedish food is really hard for me because there's heaps of pickled foods uh, and fermented foods uh, in Swedish cuisine. And I just can't stand it. I don't know. I just don't like anything pickled or, or whatever. I can eat sauerkraut, but only in certain dishes because it's, yeah, it's right. fermented as well. It's it's And I'm not super hot about it. You know what I mean? I'll eat it, but it's not super good. But yeah, man, I don't know if I have weird food combination. I can't think of one. I'll, I'll try and think of one for next episode if someone, yeah. someone submits them. All right, guys. Well, if you're still here, send in your uh, 
the fattest person you know. <laughs> send in a photo. <laughs> so, so I want to know oh, what's, the, what's, what's the heaviest person you've rolled with mm-hmm. and we want to know your weird, wacky food combinations, if it's yep. anything. It's got to be lesser food. You can't just be like, oh, man, I put you know, chocolate on my ice cream. No, fuck off. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like it's got to be something, got to be something a little bit weird. Okay, guys. Um, gross. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for listening. As always, you can find us on our socials, uh, our multiple different <laughs> socials where we are. But yeah, we're very accessible. If you need anything, send us a message. Otherwise, thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time.